Welcome to the Geeks and Suits podcast. I'm your host, Chase Gerber. I am here with the host of the John Yanni podcast, John Yanni. Hello, Chase. Hello. Uh, it's been a while. And also here, my darling brother, Brent. Yeah. <laughs> I hated that so much. I'm starting over, guys. No, keep it. No, I'm <laughs> starting d- over. The darling brother Brent. You better keep that. No, We're ke- keep it rolling. Oh, shut keep up. Keep it rolling. No, absolutely not. Are we? Are we? I'll tack over? that on. Yes, we're starting over. I'll tack that on as the end. Okay. Okay. I'm just gonna keep my recording going. Yeah. So am I. I'm just. I'm just tacking that on. The end. Do you have a long lost okay. brother named Brent? Brent. <laughs> I have a friend named Brent. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Welcome everybody to the Geeks and Suits podcast. I'm your host, Chase Gerber. Uh, today with me, the host of the John Yanni podcast, John Yanni. Hello, Chase. What's going on? Also, my uh, my brother Ben here calling in, having just gotten back from vacation. Benny, what's up? Actually, I go by Ben D now. Ben D. Why's that? What's the ben D stand for? D. Knee, John Snow! <laughs> ben D's nuts? I don't know, Yanni, if you watch Game of Thrones, you would get that joke, but unfortunately... Yeah, it's... Yeah. Uh, Game of Thrones is against my morals. I can't watch all that nudity and violence. Oh! You wound Whatever. me. <laughs> you wound me, John, Yanni. And uh, you just know kidding. You've also... You've also watched House of Cards and, and Ozark, where it talks about like money laundering and death and murder, right? Uh, yeah, you know, I just like to pick and choose here and there. But, but potato, I, will, potato. I will be getting to Game of Thrones eventually, mm-hmm. as, I have, okay. as eventually. I have convinced hey, both of you. we're halfway there. Uh, we just have to threaten you with enough spoilers that you start watching. Okay, that, that is not a good way to get me to watch No, it. we can't do that. <laughs> Okay, so stay off Twitter for a while. Uh, okay, well, guys, it's been a while since we podcasted last. Um, I was not married, and now I am. So what? It's been there, that long. There's a big shiny ring on your finger. There is, and it's still annoying to wear. So oh, uh, haven't gotten haven't gotten those, used uh, to it yet. One of those plastic ones, or uh, like oh, a no. tattoo, perhaps. Uh, tattoo, <laughs> maybe. Uh, if it was up to Chase, it would have been a ring pop. <laughs> I would Just totally be on board Ooh, with a ring, ring pop. pop. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so um, Ben can only be here for a few minutes, but he is just so excited to talk about this movie we're going to talk about. So, um, Dunkirk! <laughs> as you can tell, it is uh, Dunkirk, which um, between Ben and Yanni, I feel like we have a few differing opinions on. Uh, so, some different views. But Ben, I'm going to let you go first because I know you uh, you said on Twitter this might be your favorite Nolan film of all time. So Ben... <laughs> oh! Sorry. Sorry, just... You okay? You need a lozenge? Choke, oh. Choked on my water. <laughs> uh, as I said, Ben, go ahead. Dunkirk, take okay, me all through so, it. Take me through the magic. So, so I've had a few days to, to think about it and I I seriously do think it's one of his three best films um, I, I I forget if you if you're the same way with this chase. You I think both and I both you and I really like um the prestige still, and like I I see that as like the Nolan film of all Nolan films because Christopher Nolan's always about you know um like nailing a perfect trick in all of his movies, and it just seems so meta and perfect that that whole movie is about searching for a perfect trick like that's the story itself so there's something that just seems so like perfectly nolan about that film that i i really just like think that's such a defining like movie for him and and then the other one um is obviously the dark knight that you know aside from being a great film changed the way um we think about superhero and comic book movies uh, I mean, it was just, it was groundbreaking at the time and people still hail that as possibly the best comic book movie ever. And with Dunkirk, there were so many, like, did you guys see it in XD or did you see it in a standard screen or how did you guys see it? 
I saw it in XD uh, at a theater in Lexington, which was wonderful. Uh, Yanni, how did you see it? I saw it. I, I didn't see it in XD, but I was at Cinemark, and I was in uh, Auditorium 15. huge screen. I don't think it's XD, but it's one of Next the nicer screens. So didn't see it in IMAX okay. or XD, but I'm, I'm sure it's all the more of an experience. Ben, I'm assuming you saw it in IMAX down in Sarasota, right? I had the snobby, snobby privilege <laughs> of watching it in beautiful 70 millimeter IMAX. Oh, do tell. Please do tell. <laughs> and the, okay, so to, to set the tone for how watching this movie was in, in an IMAX theater, we're like halfway through the first preview for the movie. And my wife turns to me and goes, wait, is this how loud it's going to be like during the film too? Answer, yes. <laughs> It'll be loud if not loud. to myself because the subwoofers were like rattling throughout <laughs> all of the previews. And it was just absolutely ridiculous. And even, like I'm a guy that likes his like movies and TV shows loud. Like my wife complains. Mom and dad used to complain when I'd watch TV like down in the basement back at home when I was still living there. I'm a guy that really loves loud everything. And even at first, in the first like 15 minutes for me, it like took a while for my ears to adjust to how loud this movie was. And I knew that was on purpose because it's, it, it like sound was like the, the like most coolest part to me in this movie. One, because it was so loud and it was supposed to make you feel like you were in this like chaotic you know, environment where there are bullets and planes dive bombing all the time and stuff. But when you like lace that with Hans Zimmer's score, you, which was made to, you know, make you like feel like there was some kind of like tension throughout the whole movie and make you like an extremely nervous attitude. Like I, I was nervous watching the whole movie the whole time. And uh, th that was just like amplified when you're in a theater like that, like that, honestly is one of the best theater experiences I've ever had in my life. It was just, it, it was unbelievable. And like, I knew 15 minutes in, it was going to be like that too. Right. Uh, if there is any filmmaker who capitalizes on huge screen and lots of speakers, it's gotta be Nolan. Is there, I was going to ask that. It's like, is there any other director who, um, gets a bigger boost out of his movies from, filming and screening his movies in IMAX? Has there ever been another director that, like, takes advantage of it more? I'm not sure he does, because he was, you know, with uh, with Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, and I think every film since then, he's he's gone yeah. on and off with using IMAX cameras. Um, and, you know, Hans Zimmer, just the, the type of composer that he is, you know... I mean, you know, you know how it is. His, his well, when he's it's work, just so he's cinematic. Nolan on so many of his films, yeah, yeah. There's just such a synchronization between the editing and the directing and the score, and I felt like it achieved like a peak in this movie, the the synchronization of that. Um, so Yanni, you you don't feel the same, or you're just not as high on it as as I am, because I like I said, I think it's a top three Nolan film. I just I absolutely was like engulfed in it immediately. Yeah, see, I I, I get the feeling that <laughs> just because I'm not head over heels for it, um, okay. that it kind of might come off as, oh, Yanni doesn't like it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's be but, clear here. You think it's a good movie. Everyone should go see it. I'm, I'm I assuming. like it. I ranked it middle of the pack okay. when okay. it comes to Nolan movies. Um, here's my thing with it. As you're saying, um, the theater experience adds so much to it, uh, and that kind of seems like the point of the movie was to be an immersive experience. You're supposed to feel like you're with Harry Styles and all these guys running through the beaches of Dunkirk and getting shot at. Like it's especially in IMAX with the speakers so loud, it probably sounds like the planes are flying above your head and whatnot. So, for what it was, which as I said is an extremely immersive experience that's just supposed to make you feel like you're there and kind of make you as much as you could kind of get an idea of what the experience was like 
to be in war, even though it's still nowhere near close to what it would be like. But still, that's the power of film is that you can at least somewhat get an idea of what these guys went through. But yeah, in that regard, it was great and it did its job well. But when I hear people say this could be his best movie, I take a big step back and I say, um, you remember we're talking about Christopher <laughs> Nolan, right? You remember we're talking about the guy that has made these movies with all these intricate plots and all these twists and all these great characters and the likes of Inception and Memento and the Dark Knight trilogy. All that, we're just going to forget about that and say Dunkirk's the best because to me, that feels like a knee-jerk reaction. Ooh. That feels like being prisoner of the moment to me um, because a movie like Dunkirk where the characters aren't nearly as strong because they're not given as much time to shine. Um, and even talking about Hans Zimmer, um, I think compared to scores like Interstellar and Pirates of the Caribbean he's done in the past, I mean, this score, what, half of it was like a kitchen timer, just going tick, 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 <laughs> which, again, it was good for the movie because that's what the movie needed. You're, it's supposed to make you feel like you're there. It's supposed to make you feel tense. And it did its job, just like Nolan did his job to create this experience um, for, what, two hours, where um, you're just wondering if these guys are going to make it out alive, and it's, it's just a scary place to be in. Yeah, so, it's just a survival movie. Yeah, so I think it was good for what it was, would be kind of like my one-sentence review, although that kind of sounds like a dig at it, but... All I'm really saying by that is, compared to his other movies, where you get so much more out of the characters and out of the story, I, I don't think it's even close. I think Inception and Dark Knight especially um, are just leaps and bounds above Dunkirk. Not necessarily from a visual standpoint, because Dunkirk's gorgeous, yeah, as you said. definitely. And it's very impressive what it took to you know do all this with the real planes and real ships. Very impressive. But from a story standpoint, I don't think it can play with the big boys. That is, uh, you know, the movies that are at the top of his filmography, uh, in my opinion. Right. So the thing. Okay. Okay, Ben. Yeah. Rebuttal. Well, sorry. Sorry. No, retort. Just, just, ben, rebuttal. I've just got one like counterpoint. Like you, you got me to thinking. You mentioned all of these other films he's he's made and and the different. Um, I guess you would call like wrinkles or features from those films. This film like felt, th and y this is the best term I can put it in that y that you guys are gonna understand. It felt like a beautiful dark twisted fantasy version of a Nolan film, because it 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 felt like he took things from some of his other movies, and he just happened to have the the most appropriate like story and script to to use all of those like like he like he picked up everything he learned from all of those other movies and put it into this so even down to things people have complained as like weaknesses in the past like how oh i can't understand half of what these characters are saying during the movie that was the most prominent in this but it made the most sense in this because it you you can say that was just because it's supposed to you know give a an element of like chaos and no one knows what's going on and and, and that kind of thing but um I, i'd say again with like the score with yes i i admit like that's not like zimmer's best work just a ticking clock and putting music around that but f for the way it was used and enhanced in the movie um it was it was just so well i guess maybe it's more of the sound editing and not the score itself that we should be talking about and rewarding um and and then the other big point was the way uh nolan creates tension in his movies um whether it's through you know like he pulled he kind of pulled from memento a little bit with the multiple timelines thing going on with uh, the same one with Inception, with the multiple like levels of dreams and stuff, like it just felt like he took there was like a little element from all of his other movies that he somehow like sprinkled over this movie, which I just thought was like you know, 
as someone who has watched all of Nolan's movies and just really loved them, it was fun to like notice things like that. And then the other thing I was so shocked at that not enough people are talking about, it was his shortest film. And it never felt like there was a um like a like too long of a shot. Like everything was like really lean. Mm-hmm. And it was like really well like cut and edited. Right. So we're so, we're actually our our next topic is gonna kind of be about the length of movies which is one of the reasons uh it came up was because dunkirk you know seeing previews of it i would have guessed it was going to be a two and a half to three hour long movie just yeah. because that's how nolan it's is nolan. yeah this was yeah. an hour i think that running time is an hour and 47 minutes which is really interesting um mm-hmm. and part of the reason i think that they were able to do that and yanni i'll go to one of your points um because i know one of the one of the bigger criticisms criticisms of it is that we don't really get time to get most of the uh most of the characters like motivations we don't see a lot of development with them but i actually think the reason dunkirk is able to get away with it is because it's a world war ii movie like we know who they're trying to escape we know the germans are coming for them because we've seen this medium you know dissected so many different times so i think it was able to get away with it because we know what they're going up against. We know that Nazi Germany is like one of the most evil superpowers that has ever, you know, been on this earth in the last 200 years or so. So I think it was able to get a, away with that for that reason. Um, it, it was like it was like a um, an allude to, but not tell. Right. I mean, did like we? You knew, you knew Germany was marching on them, and and you knew like there were people like further in fighting back, but. You didn't really. You knew that that pressure was there, and I felt like it was the same way for the characters. Right. They alluded to okay, these are kids who just want to get home, but they didn't have to have you know ten, fifteen minutes of exposition and and just like talk everything out. It was all kind of implied, which yeah. I mean that that doesn't allow character moments, but um, it it really wasn't a movie that was supposed to be about I don't know growth and development. It was right. just about survival the whole time. Well, I mean, if you think about it, even you see German soldiers one time, and that's the very last shot, spoiler alert, of Tom Hardy <laughs> getting out of his plane, and, you know, Germans are there staying. Finally got them. that mask off! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I really thought maybe he won't, like, wear a pilot mask the entire time. Nope, he's wearing a mask the entire movie. There's gotta be some crazy fan theory as to why he's always covered up. Maybe he's self-conscious about his lips or something. Ooh. Do you think so? Or, <laughs> I bet Nolan went to Hardy's like, Tom, I've got another movie for you. I'm, I can't wait. This role is just perfect. And he's like, awesome. So I don't have to wear a mask this time, right? And Nolan was just like, well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I agree with you guys where you, you didn't necessarily need to be reminded of all the information. Like, oh, guess what? It's the Nazis. Like, we know it's the Nazis. But... Mm-hmm. Um, then again, you also didn't get a lot of information on our main characters, like the the kid soldiers on the beach and the, the people in the boat. But then again, yeah. that wasn't a huge problem for me because I don't think this movie needed it. Um, it, it wasn't really about that. Like, And again, we probably would have gotten a lot of the war movie cliches where someone's like, I gotta get back home to see my girl or something like that like you know yeah i'm okay with it being different in that sense we didn't need all those things from the characters that we've seen before just because i will admit war movies i'm not really ever too excited to see them just because it's been done so many times Mm -hmm. like with hacksaw ridge i remember saying when we did our oscars podcast i wasn't looking forward to that just because i've seen so many war movies but i ended up liking that one but I digress. Yeah. Anyways, it's like we didn't need all those character moments out of this movie. But at the same time, I think that's something that kind of holds it back from becoming a Nolan movie at the top where the characters are kind of the point. Like the yeah. the Jokers and the, the you know, Leonardo DiCaprio and Inceptions of right. the Nolan universe, the Guy Pearson memento. Right. So this is the thing about Nolan that I find probably the most fascinating. Because, Yanni, you did a podcast recently with uh, Tommy Shawan. 
Yes, you guys sir. talked about some of your favorite Nolan movies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, your top three, or your top list of Nolan movies is way different than me and Ben. So, like, me and Ben, we have prestige near the top. I'm, I'm assuming you do, Ben, from what you said earlier. Yes. So, yeah, um, I, th I, th I still think that's my favorite Nolan. Right, and it would be mine too, which is a movie you guys didn't even have in your top three, which is fine, but, like, you asked me to rank the Nolan movies, I could give you my top two, which are Prestige and Dark Knight, and then after that, uh, Inception, Memento, Batman Begins, um, shoot, Interstellar, Interstellar, and there's, I think yeah. there's one other, like, there's legit five movies that on any given day I might rank in the third one. Like, his movies are mm -hmm. all so unique, and I don't know, like, it's so hard to, to rank Nolan movies. Like, Dunkirk, I think, was a masterpiece, but it still goes right into that middle range after mm -hmm. my top two. Yeah, just based off the strength of his filmography, it's, I mean, it's... It's hard to For beat. me, it's hard to put yeah. Dunkirk super high, but I'm curious, Ben, what would your top three probably be? Prestige, Dunkirk, I, I think... and what else? Um, Prestige, Dark Knight, and, and Dunkirk. Okay. Hmm. Yours, yeah. I forget I mean, yours, Yanni. Please. Yeah, mine was, um, it was Memento, Inception, and Dark Knight. And you brought up the, how the timeline is a little bit, uh, you know, he plays with that in Dunkirk. I don't think it was yeah. done nearly as well in Dunkirk as it was in Memento. Because even though Memento was much more confusing it was also much more organized mm -hmm. and you could yeah and if you watch a couple times it, you can kind of totally understand what the pattern is with dunkirk it was kind of jumping around a little uh -huh. bit and i was like okay wait it's it's nighttime it's daytime wait didn't tom hardy's friend it, already go down wait he's down it, it kind of jumped around the timeline and so i don't it think, took a little figuring it, out yeah yeah so i saw that as kind of a weakness for me see i actually and I actually really liked that because somehow Nolan still found a way to put his own flair and his own, you know, kind of storytelling style into a real life, you know, retelling, which was kind of the thing I was worried about when I heard this was based on a true story. I thought, you know, how's, how is he going to, like, do this? How is he going to put his Nolan thing on it? And I feel like it accomplished that. Um, I don't know, Ben, what did you think about it? Um, I, I think it makes sense that um, you and me, Chase, as the people who seem to like think Prestige is his best film or it's our favorite film. Um, also liking Dunkirk more than Yanni because the Prestige is the ultimate, holy shit, I need to go watch that right now again after you watched it for the first time to like to, to like reconnect everything because you're just like, oh my God, I, I think I remember like seeing something before and you want to go back and like, and just like, confirm with yourself what you saw and everything um the the one really there was one really strong moment with the the different timelines in dunkirk which i thought was really powerful was um the the cillian murphy murphy role who he he was you know at, at the beginning if we're like talking chronologically he was in that uh lifeboat and like told you know the the main character sorry we don't have any space you guys have to like swim back or whatever and he seemed like he had such a clean bravado and confidence to himself um in in those like moments and then you compare it later where he's like a shell-shocked soldier who's marooned on the floating ship and like is terrified of going back to dunkirk like, that was really cool that um that that was one of those show don't tell moments where you didn't have to see like his boat go down and him getting all freaked out and everything and what triggered it. You just knew, okay, this really bad incident happened and he's he's like freaked out. I thought Cillian Murphy was like the best, had the most, I guess, to work with mm -hmm. in the movie, and I thought he did a really good job. Yeah, Agreed. yeah, I like that. That's a good point. Also, how so. <laughs> he doesn't let the kids on his boat, but then <laughs> the <laughs> civilians let him on their boat. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot kind of, of show no, him the mercy that he didn't show. But. Yeah, it was it was definitely an entertaining movie. Whether like you think it's you know one of Nolan's best or in the middle of Packer or, or wherever, like there's there's just no doubt it was a very entertaining and an enjoyable movie. And I'm just 
I'm glad Nolan is is able to put out blockbusters like this that don't depend on a franchise or just some kind of studio backing. He's just an established director who's always good at what he does and always delivers something, wh- whether it's good or not, something to like contribute to the conversation. Right. On. Um, so the other real quick thing is that uh, I can't tell you how relieving it is to see a World War II movie not about America. <laughs> um. Like, and, and it was not just with cool people's to... faces getting blown off all the time. Exactly. Too. <laughs> like, well, I mean, like we said, we don't see German sh- soldiers at all. There's not really a lot of blood and gore, which, yep. you know, was kind of you know made me think a little bit going in. Like, what's this going to be like? But um, I don't know. It was just refreshing to to. It was a different. Not... It was a different kind of storytelling. Right. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's what Nolan's best at. So um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know, guys. Anything else on Dunkirk before Benny has to go and unpack? I would say uh, it was a visual masterpiece. Yeah, it was great in accomplishing what it was trying to do. Um, however, I will say the next movie that comes out from Christopher, I am hoping it will be. Back to his roots of yeah. a prestige or an inception or an interstellar where it's just this crazy idea yeah. that blows our minds. Because that's really that's what, what I about. love about yeah. Nolan movies. I, I really can't wait to see. And it's like this after every Nolan movie, but I can't wait to see what he's doing next. Um, and that's just... One more ticket for Nolan's wild ride. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, I don't care what it is, I will be watching Nolan's next movie in theaters, and there's nothing you can do to change that. So, uh, so that. Uh, yeah. So, Betty, thanks for uh, hopping on here after your vacation. Go uh, go get unpacked and whatnot, and uh, I'll see you sometime next week, I assume. I gotta go. I'm waiting for the French. <laughs> <laughs> Later, Betty. All right, see you, man. All right, see you guys. Take Bye. care. Okay, uh, Yanni, let's continue with our next topic then. Now that uh, now that Ben's gone, but uh, oh, so the thank next thank goodness, thank goodness, <laughs> getting that guy out of our lives. Um, okay, so the next thing that we wanted to talk about, uh, we kind of mentioned it as we were talking about Dunkirk, but Dunkirk, like I said, it was a movie I think we were both expecting to be two and a half, three hours, um, as no one is, you know, typical to doing. It was an hour and forty-seven minutes. And, you know, it kind of made me think, you know, the length of movies nowadays, I feel like, is is a big indicator. So we did a podcast for you on your podcast, Yanni, about kind of what attracts us to, to go seeing a movie in theaters nowadays. Um, we, we didn't talk about, you know, runtime at all, but does runtime have, have any sort of effect on you if you're going to, to see a movie in theaters? Yeah, if it's a movie I really want to see, runtime really doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. But it does have an effect. Um, I would say if I see that a movie is more than two hours, all of a sudden I'm a little bit more hesitant to commit to it. Mm-hmm. Which is the strangest thing, because you can watch episode after episode of a TV show, right. and it'll far <laughs> exceed two hours. But I'm much more likely to kind of want to watch a movie that's less than two hours Mm -hmm. just because it feels more manageable and i don't know i think that's what draws a lot of people to television is just the setup of you can stop at any point Mm -hmm. whereas a long movie is a commitment and plus a a lot of movies don't need to be as long as they are it seems it's just like like i watched uh a movie the other day it was two and a half hours and i was like well that you know by the by the end of it, at the two-hour mark, you're kind of ready for it to end, depending yeah. on the movie. But how do you feel about that? So, the, I tend to, to take the view, like, you know, how, however long it's going to take a director to tell their story, the, the way they want to tell it, I'm okay with. However, I think there's a fine difference between telling the story that you want to tell and over-telling the story you want to tell. So, like, think of, like, when I think of like a three-hour movie, I think movies like The Godfather, Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. Interstellar's up there, yeah. Wolf of Wall Street, you know. <laughs> Usually the three-hour yeah. movies I watch are all really good because it feels like everything that's in the movie is relevant to the story they're trying to tell. Mm-hmm. Now take a movie like... 
Batman versus Superman, which we love to rag on, <laughs> but I must do it one more time. Uh, it is a two and a half hour movie, and it feels like the first hour and a half, like literally nothing happens. So all that's happening there is like they they could have cut like an hour out of that movie and basically told the same story, and people probably would have liked it a little more. I mean, it still wouldn't have been great, but I guess what I want to see is that you know, if you're going to include, if if it's going to be a three-hour movie, make sure that all of it is relevant to the story. Don't, you know, I know there's a lot you want to do with characters and that sort of thing, but when it comes down to it, we don't want to sit around for, you know, two and a half, yeah. three hours if it doesn't feel like it's well spent. Yeah. And that's that's an interesting point. I would say most movies are not around the three-hour mark, but usually the ones that are, it's kind of because it needs to be in it. Right. It's, it's well-deserved, usually. Like, I remember Dances with Wolves. Yeah. I was watching that, uh, and that took me two settings, because it's le- or two sittings to watch it, because it's like three hours long. Yeah. And I can only imagine trying to watch something like uh, the Ten Commandments movie from the 60s <laughs> that's like, it's four hours long. <laughs> or like Ben-Hur. If, if you've ever heard of that, just a, a classic mm-hmm. um, of old Hollywood. It's like three and a half, four hours long. Yeah. And so those are, you want to talk about commitment, that's almost like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's like a full you got to break that up. Yeah. Or else you're just sitting there forever, you're getting tired of sitting. But, yeah, there's a lot of movies that are around the two and a half to two hours and 45 minute range where it's like, I don't know if this movie's good enough right. to deserve this runtime. Right. Like, it's... And that's probably the indication of whether a movie's good or not. If it can hold your attention well into the third hour, mm-hmm. then it's well-deserved. But if you are struggling to get <laughs> done right around that two-hour mark, and you've still got a half an hour, 45 minutes to go, mm-hmm. then it probably isn't doing as well of a job as it should if it wants that long of a runtime. Right. So I think I think one of the, the main culprits of this, and again we're rag- ragging on something we usually have to rag on, but uh, the Marvel universe, it seems like every every superhero movie they're releasing nowadays is trying to be two and a half, you know, somewhere in that two and a half range, which so many movies are now. And um, I don't know, like I feel like this sort of started with Nolan and the Dark Knight. Because what Nolan did with that, you know, he explored the character a lot more. Uh, it was a, a lot deeper than a superhero movie would normally be. Mm-hmm. And it seems like ever since then, every other superhero movie is trying to do that, which is why we're getting, you know, two-hour 20, two-hour 30, two-hour 40-minute run times. Like, yeah. it, it feels like like whenever Avengers, the, the next Avengers comes out, that Infinity oh War... Yeah. Not only are they going to try and do that, but they have a million characters to pack in. Like, is there any way they don't make that a three-hour movie? Like, how <laughs> how in the world are they going to get that to work? Yeah. You know, I think you Marvel's usually pretty good at keeping it at least around two hours and fifteen minutes. Yeah, I remember Civil War was one of the longer ones, and that was about two and a half. But yeah, the Infinity War movies. I mean, they're doing a part one and part two, mm-hmm. same as Harry Potter did, just because. <laughs> if they didn't, it would be about three and a half to four hours. Right. But, yeah, like you said, that that's a whole other issue I'm sure we'll talk about when we get closer to that, but they're going to stuff so many characters into Infinity War. Oh, my gosh. That, honestly, it's kind of exciting. Because it's <laughs> like, this is something that's never been done before. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be so many A-list actors. And so many, like, it's going to be... Every single popular superhero in in Marvel history. Yeah. And except X Men. Yeah. True. Imagine if they were in it too. Yeah, It'd be even more stuff. Marvel sold its soul to Sony on that one. Anyways. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that will be definitely interesting. I'm looking forward to that. Oh. Yeah. It'll definitely be uh, like you said, something we haven't seen before. Yeah. Um. Because then we're getting the Guardians in there, and I'm sure Spider-Man will be back. And uh... and that's going to be an interesting dynamic, if you ask me, because for the most part, I think the Avengers fit pretty well together with Iron Man, Cap, 
Hulk, Black Widow. I think it's like those characters have a particular mood and then Guardians is just so different mm -hmm. that I'm wondering what it's going to feel like when you have Rocket and Groot interacting, <laughs> interacting with with Iron Man. Right. Um, I'm mostly I'm mostly interested to see Cap interacting with all the Guardians cuz they're all, <laughs> you know, they they're they joke around. Yeah. They're a lot more lighthearted and Cap is always serious. Yeah. Which yeah, Marvel does a pretty good job at, you know, keeping it lighthearted. Uh, adding some jokes in there, whatever movie it is. Right. But, so, um, so what conclusion have we come to as far as long movies? Uh, are we just are we playing with Hollywood to keep the runtime down? I don't know. Do, doesn't it seem like like most movies nowadays are they're at least two hours fifteen minutes? Like I, I nearly fell over when I saw an hour forty seven <laughs> for Dunkirk. Like it just didn't feel right. Yeah. Well, it's become so normal. To the point where, like you're saying, if you see a movie is closer to an hour and a half, it's kind of like, oh, whoa, it takes yeah. you back. Like, I feel the same way. When I see a movie is close to an hour and 30 or an hour and 40, I'm like, oh, wow, that's, is that really, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> is that short? Yeah. But at the same time, I guess it means that sweet spot is right at the hour and 45 minute mark. Is that where yours <laughs> is? <laughs> or, you know, hour and 45 to two hours, that's the sweet spot. Yeah. Um. But yeah, if it gets a, too much shorter than that, then it just feels like... <laughs> yeah. Here's a question. Uh, so of the three, 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 three and a half hour, whatever, the, the really long movies, yeah. of all those you've ever seen, which one fell the shortest to you? Like, first time watching it. Hmm. Dang, what? We had mentioned... See, I've... So let, let's yeah. run through some that I just know okay. yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah, if you've yeah. seen all these. So we yeah. have both the, the first two Godfather, part one and yes. part two. Uh, Saving Private Ryan, Wolf of Wall Street, Interstellar, mm -hmm. Dark Knight Rises is like two hours, 45 minutes. Yeah. Uh, Django Unchained is around that time. Yeah. Uh, the second Kill Bill, I think, is yeah. two, two and a half. Like you said, Dances with Wolves, that's a yeah. one. I haven't seen it, but... Yeah, I think... All the Lord of the Rings movies, I don't know if you're a fan of those. See, that's one of my... My main sins as a... Uh, Not a Lord of the Rings guy. As a pop culture... You're supposed uh, to be a commentary. nerd, Yanni. <laughs> I've only seen the first one. But see, that that's part of what we're talking about. Is yeah. They're all close to three hours, if not more. So to take that big a bite out of the yeah. apple is like, oh, geez, I'm going to have to set aside an entire night to yeah. watch this movie. All 12 but, hours of them. Yeah. But I think Django goes pretty fast. Uh -huh. I think that's pretty well paced in it. It does have a point where you think it's over, and then it goes on for another 20, 25 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you stick with it, though. Um, yeah, other than that, I remember, yeah, I had to split up Wolf of Wall Street. It was, <laughs> really? it was so long. I, yeah, I watched an hour and a half, and then an, another hour and a half. Um, part of that was due to schedule. Yeah. But, um, it did come out while we were in college. <laughs> yes, indeed. But yeah, I I really like Wolf of Wall Street. Um, I think that if if I was to pick one that goes the fastest when I watch it, I think it's Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it's just so entertaining the entire time. Yeah. Like, it, it, there's not really a time where it's like, die, it dies down. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, so yeah. one more development. It, it's just entertaining the whole time. True. And... Yeah, it it keeps you going along with it. As as far as the Godfathers go, those can be hard to get through. Mm -hmm. I've only seen uh, the first two, each of those once, um, and that's one where it's like, okay, you got to be locked in. Like you yeah. got to be listening to every single thing they say. You got to be like <laughs> one of those. You got to be awake. It's yeah. not just. It's not a late night. Yeah. I might do <laughs> off for it. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot a lot of times. If it's long, it feels long. But if it's done right, like Django or, or Wolf of Wall Street, usually it'll, it'll be an easier watch than, say, something like Ten The Godfathers. Or the t <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta tackle that someday. Um, have you ever seen Ben-Hur? I have not. That's, is that a four-hour one? Yeah, that's 
It's one of those classics. One of those that they tried to remake last year. Um, <laughs> one of those uh, never they try on Rotten Tomatoes, whenever, one of those 16%ers. <laughs> whenever they try and, like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, remake the classics like that. You yeah. know it's only a Remaking classics does not work out. Like, uh, like speaking of Nolan, we've talked about they're making, they're, they're remaking Memento. Are they? Which, why? They are? I don't know if Nolan's involved. Yeah, I... Uh, no I way. It's been... A, it, it was it was announced a while ago. I don't know when it's coming out or, or anything. I don't know if Nolan's even involved, but I believe they are remaking Memento. These remakes of movies that came out in the 90s need to stop. It's <laughs> too soon. Memento was 2000. Uh, like, oh, let's reboot it so a, wait, a decade so, and a half. So are, are you talking all movies, or is it your main beef with The Lion King? and Or I should say Disney movies. I, as I've said before, I do have a bone to pick. <laughs> really with, not liking with the, the uh, Disney reboot. The money grab? Yeah, if you made a movie like Lion King or Beauty and the Beast that came out late 80s or early 90s, yeah. give it a rest. Please wait. <laughs> please wait until at least... 2040. Okay, so let me ask you this. Are you more annoyed with what Disney's doing with that? So that's like, you know, live action of Lion King, Sleeping Beauty, mm-hmm. all those. Or are you more annoyed with every franchise from the 80s or 90s or 70s or whatever having sequels? Because which is the worst epidemic? I feel like more sequels are happening. It seems like Disney's the only one that's live actioning. Yeah. Or remaking. I'm more okay with a sequel because at least it's a new story with characters people already like and know. Okay. With with some of these Disney remakes so far, like the Cinderella one, which is okay, and then Beauty and the Beast, it's like it's the same exact story. Mm-hmm. So, honestly, for some of these, the trailer's enough for me. Like, okay, this is what it would look like if it was live action. Mm-hmm. I know what happens. I don't need to waste two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. So... I know I might be in the minority in that. Part of me does get excited to think, ooh, live-action Aladdin's coming out. I wonder what that's going to be like. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, it's kind of like... You know, it's kind of like ooh. listening to a cover of a song. Okay. You can sometimes do, you know, different things with it. it it's entertaining in its own right. But at the same time, it's, it's the same song. Yeah. So that's what these reboots are. Um. Yeah, I'm kind of proud of that analogy. That's a very but, good analogy. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, because you can do new things uh, with a cover. I would argue you can probably do more new things with a cover of a song than they have done with these Disney movies. They're pretty much just taking the same exact story and putting it on the s- screen as a live action movie. Mm-hmm. Which I'll admit, they're in a predicament because people want to see. You know, it's like. People want to see the story unfold how it did in the animated movie. Yeah. Or else they'd get pissed off. Right. If if Beast didn't turn back into a human at the end, people would be like, what the hell is this? And they, well, there what? was already the uproar with, uh, what's Gaston, Gaston's uh, chump who... Uh, Le, Le Fou or something. Yeah, Le Fou who uh, they decided to make homosexual in Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, which I don't even people... think it was clearly stated. I think like he... I haven't seen the movie. Apparently he dances with a guy or something, and it's like, I don't know if they come out and say it. So they don't come out... Let me let me take you through it, since I have <laughs> um, So they don't really come out and say it. The director came out afterward and basically said, yeah, we, yeah. we made him gay. Um, so... <laughs> I, I haven't seen the, like, the cartoon Beauty and the Beast in, like, years. I yeah. guess... I guess it's not completely unreasonable for this character to be homosexual. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, what happens in the movie at the at the end when they're dancing, he runs into some guy while they're doing this dance, and they like kind of like hold e- they like end up holding each other, and they kind of look into each other's eyes. There's definitely love there, um, and they they like start. They, they make to like they're going to dance and then it cuts away and they, they, there's so like 30 seconds even, left. That's not even a major exactly. change. It's not that's definitive. Just like, that's in, just like an Easter egg. Exactly. That's it's not even anything new within the story. I mean, take with it what you want. I mean, yes, they, 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 look, they embrace and there's <laughs> love in their eyes and that sort of thing, but 
you know, I, I find it a little ridiculous that parents are like, it's unchristian and our <laughs> children cannot watch. No, I but agree. That's just it, I agree. It's, it, and it all gets overblown, which at the same time, that's probably part of why they put it in there. So it's kind of like it, it helps them and it hurts them because all these articles overblow the issue and make it this big deal mm-hmm. where in one respect, uh, a lot of websites will probably give them a pat on the back for it mm-hmm. and support it because of that. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, a lot of publications on the other end of the spectrum will say, no, boycott this movie, make it much bigger of a deal than it needs to be. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it seems like it just becomes this whole media fiasco, and then you see the movie, and it's like, oh, that was it. Yeah. He just he just dances Welcome with the guy. Welcome to the world of social media. <laughs> yes, where there's an article and a think piece about everything. Yes. Totally agree. <laughs> um, I do have to ask you, because uh, I think I know what the final straw for you will be in as far as this live <laughs> okay. action remake okay if they announce tomorrow that they're making a live action remake of the emperor's new groove <laughs> what you would your reaction mean, be <laughs> you mean my favorite animated movie <laughs> um now that would be interesting <laughs> honestly how do you think that would play out Honestly, it would be a CGI llama, and it would just okay. Yeah, it would. It would be like the CGI beast. It would just yeah. It would feel off. It would be like the thing with all these is you can't really. You can't replicate what you made with the original. No, I don't think anyone's ever going to come out of the live action one and say, "Ah, that was better than the animated classic," because it's based entirely off the animated classic. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it wouldn't exist without right. the source. So <laughs> the, the main... <laughs> but to I'll answer just, your question... Yes, please answer first. I would just have to see it. <laughs> I mean, just out even of if it, sheer curiosity. Even if it just, like, completely ruined and shattered your, your original view of, of the movie you love so much. Yes, but perhaps it would open people's eyes to one of the most underrated... And funniest <laughs> Disney movies, which is The Emperor's New Group. Oh, I've never met anyone who loves Christmas. <laughs> We're about to go a huge waterfall, aren't we? Yep. Short rocks to the bottom. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Um, anyway, speaking of those live action remakes, the, the, the place it usually gets lost, in my eyes, is trying to get all the music in there. Um, uh huh. It, do, it doesn't suffer with all of them. Like, Beauty and the Beast did pretty good of a job yeah. i feel like but like the jungle book oh botched my it. goodness they botched it. as great as the cgi was and as great as i thought jungle book was the the music was just horrible yeah when you have christopher walken orangutan singing i want to be like you but it's like a dark gritty version of it yeah that's totally not the and mood even, or the point of the song. Like and it's, even, <laughs> like, Bare Necessities by Bill Murray. Come on, guys. Like, yeah. I, I understand, but... Yeah, that movie should... I I know the predicament they're in. People want to hear the classic songs, which are so much a part of the original movie. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that movie is not really well-suited for those songs at all. Right. They, they didn't fit. Right. It didn't feel natural. And, so, yeah, that's what they're going to run into. But... I mean, we'll see how Aladdin does. Will Smith is the genie. Yeah, how... Interesting. How, um, I guess you have to go in a different direction with it, just because Robin if you tried to do a Robin Williams impersonator or some guy just trying to do something like that, of course it wouldn't live up. People would be like, that, that was just a sorry excuse for, you know, Robin right. Williams. So I get where they are going with Will Smith in a sense where it's like, Okay, we got to make the genie something completely different, almost as if he's a new character, mm-hmm. because uh, the old one is so beloved. Right. But I mean, that's the problem they're gonna run in with each classic that they remake: is how do we handle the music? How do we handle these beloved characters? How much different do we make them, and how much the same? Because there's things people love about them. So you can't change too much, but at the same time, if you're going to keep it new and fresh, you got to do something. So right. it's an interesting predicament they find themselves in, but honestly, it doesn't seem to matter too much to them anyways, because the box office 
kills it every time. Money, money, don't lie. So, um, I'll say this right now. Speaking of Aladdin, uh, I'm gonna put ten bucks on it right now. The uh, the pilot from Rogue One gonna be cast as Aladdin. I'm calling it right now. I hate to break it to you. Or have they already? They cast have already someone? casted Aladdin and, and Jasmine. Oh. I think one of the girls from the new Power Rangers movie is Jasmine. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it! That was a movie I wanted to see. Simply out of spite for my mom, because I was never allowed to watch uh, Power Rangers as a child, and I'm still <laughs> bitter about it. Um, I don't know, the other thing that, that made me think of the, these Disney live-action remakes, which is, by the way, is a completely made-up segment that just came out of nowhere, so props to us on that. Um, and I haven't noticed it so far, because none of the, the remakes were any I really watched as a kid, but like they have Lion King coming up. They have James Earl Jones as Mufasa, which is very good. But, like, I'm not going to be able to stand someone who's not Pumbaa doing the voice of Pumbaa, you know? Like, I don't yeah. even know who did the voice acting for, like, Pumbaa and Timon and a few others, but it's not going to be the same. Yeah. No, I agree. And speaking of uh, James Earl Jones, he did the voice for Darth Vader in Rogue One, and you could... Hear the difference yeah. in his voice. You could tell he was like getting up there in age. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Lion King will be interesting because we have Childish Gambino as Simba, I believe. Yeah. So he'll be, he'll Lando be singing Calrissian the songs. and Simba. <laughs> yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. I mean, there's a lot of things um, that I'm just curious to see how they play out mm -hmm. in these these live action movies. Part of me is of the state of mind where I'm like, I kind of want to boycott these. Mm. And I did with, with Beauty and the Beast. I just never never, never got to it. it. I'm sure I'm not missing out on much. But it Aladdin, was good. It, Aladdin, was, yeah. it was really good. I'm sure it was fine. <laughs> I, I just, but can it beat the old Beauty and the Beast? Probably not. I mean, let me rephrase that. No. <laughs> but. Absolutely not. I mean, there's ones. I mean, I'll probably see Aladdin. Aladdin is probably my favorite animated Disney movie. So, mm. just to see, out of curiosity to see what they do with it, I'll have to. And then. Man, that. Name it, they're probably. Oh, they're it's. It's probably. It's confirmed. Yeah. Like, it may not actually be confirmed, but it's confirmed. Any. <laughs> Any sort of animated classic uh, Disney has made from, like, the eight, 80s all the way through the 90s, it's going to be remade. Um, yeah. And, I mean, we've talked about this on, like, every podcast and before. And I've, you know, I've already mentioned a lot of the ways I feel about it. But a movie like Snow White, which was one of Disney's first, it was, like, the 50s or even earlier, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, that, okay remake it it's been 70 years like it's been remade like haven't they made like two or three different live action movies about snow white like i feel like official it's official disney new. ones i don't know i don't know but yeah one, one like that okay i'm here for it like that's that's all right but there's just feels something wrong and it feels like they're reaching directly into your wallet <laughs> and stealing from you yeah when they remake something from the 90s or the late 80s, because it's like, oh, that's like, that's from the newer era of Disney. Right. And you're going right to those, because they're some of the more popular ones. But, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, inevitably, we'll get an animated remake in the style of Pixar for Lion King and Aladdin, mm -hmm. and we'll get all animated remakes yeah. uh, 20 years from now. So, right. I mean... Do you think they'll ever remake the original Star Wars movies? Another thing I think we, we've talked about whether or not it's on or off the podcast. When we're old men, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I don't it, like your confidence. Listen, listen, it's in Disney's hands now. When we, They wouldn't dare do it now. No. But when we are probably middle-aged to old men, if not sooner, they're probably going to remake it. <sighs> Probably. I'm not a fan of your confidence, Yanni. Which, I mean, look, just look at the pattern, though. Look at the, the proof is in the pudding. They're already making animated Disney classic remakes from 
the 80s and 90s. Right, but is, isn't it a difference from animated to live action? I mean, Star Wars is a originally a live action, and it is, I guess this doesn't exempt it because Ben-Hur and Psycho mm-hmm. and some others, but it's generally, you know, a top 20, top 10 movie of all time, yeah. critically. Yeah. See, for a long time, they'll be able to get away with just doing sequels and new trilogies and whatnot. But eventually, I don't know. Because even some of the other beloved franchises like Alien or, I don't know, you name it, they just keep going on with the sequels. Mm-hmm. They haven't remade the original yet. yet. But, but you see the trend in Hollywood. It's remakes galore, reboots galore. So... I don't know, maybe it'll, maybe we'll see it dip and it'll get more back into original, original ideas and whatnot. Right. But I right would, now the money is, is I in mean, the, the boom is in superhero <laughs> movies and franchises. Yeah. Um, which is why we've seen things like making The Hobbit into three movies when two would have yeah. clearly sufficed. It's or, the reason we're yeah. seeing, you know, all these Star Wars movies and, DC universes and you or know. things that shouldn't have a cinematic universe that do have a cinematic universe now, like Godzilla and King Kong, they're making into the monster <sighs> universe. Which, by the way, I saw King Kong Skull Island the other night. It was oh boy, a steaming pile of garbage. <laughs> like it was just so random. Yeah, like there, it felt off. Mm-hmm. Like it just felt like this is not good. Kong just came in and out as he pleased. Like, yep, that's him. Okay, he's gone. All right, here he is. And it was, uh, sure, it was some eye candy. Brie Larson looked great. Uh, other than that, <laughs> I don't know what Do to say Do you love Brie Larson? Um, speaking of, of universes, did you know that the Transformers universe is now its own extended universe? Are Thank they... you, Michael Bay, for that. Yeah, well... Because we really <laughs> needed that in our lives. Because they just, the fifth one or whatever just came out, now we're getting a bumblebee spinoff it's just like it's an epidemic more and more movies that i have to ignore right i like i'm gonna be uh just brought down with all the trailers and marketing that i'll have to just always see and i Mm. won't want to see it but (laughs) this is why we like oscar season so much though right because you know the original ideas are rewarded the the yeah the most the money-making movies aren't aren't the critically acclaimed movies. Like there's not usually. No, yeah, not usually. I mean, every now and then you'll have like a Dark Knight um, yeah. or or whatever. But Oscar season, it's you know, it's original ideas. It's less CGI and more practical movies. Usually, yeah. And it's so refreshing from you know the summer yeah. movie list because it's all you know Avengers and DC and cheesy action movies if you <laughs> yeah. will and oscar season it's all these movies where it's like when did this come out i never even heard of this exactly <laughs> i can't wait to see what uh what this year's la <laughs> la land is up, yeah oh but yeah you always get to go back and see all those ones that you missed throughout the year yep but that's why we have oscar season uh well you know i think uh i think we're running out of time here um it's been a pleasure as always um Got any uh, got any podcast guests coming up in the near future? I I uh, I would say I'm I'm always thinking about people to bring on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm trying to get some female representation on the Johnny podcast. I someone said that to me. They're like, "Hey, when are you gonna have a girl on?" I don't know. I don't know any girls, but <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Maybe I'll bring Hannah on. We'll talk about nursing. Oh, <laughs> oh! I'm sure she'd love but, that. <laughs> but yeah, be be looking out for new episodes of the John Yanni podcast. Mm-hmm. Talking pop culture, movies, music, anything really. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything interesting. Yeah, sure. Anything in, anything I find interesting. Yeah. We're not going to be talking about the stock market anytime soon. <laughs> but Don't know about the stock market. <laughs> okay. Anyways, uh, it's called the John Yanni podcast. You should all check it out. Uh, great listen. You got got an hour of time. Go check out a few of the episodes. They're all very good. Well, I might be you. on one of them. Well, I think so you, you should what check a plug! That out what a plug! What a plug! <laughs> uh, 
Anyways, uh, yeah, so we're out of time. This has been the Geeks and Supers podcast. Uh, Yanni, thanks again for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's always a blast talking yeah. with you and Ben. And I yeah. look forward to the next one. Hopefully, uh, hopefully now that I'm uh, living around here, we can do this a lot more often and uh, not every month and a half. So uh, hopefully I'll like uh, see you again soon. Until next time. Peace out. Peace out.